One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is brought to you by Green and Black's Velvet Edition, a delicious range of sumptuously smooth dark chocolate. You're listening to the Irish Times Women's Podcast. I'm Roisin Ingle. I'm still coming to you from my bedroom and I think we're doing okay. I hope you're all doing okay and surviving. Um, we're all in it together. Uh, we're trying to stay home a little bit more this weather actually and not going out so much. And hopefully the latest figures are a little bit more encouraging in that Leo Varadkar doesn't seem to think that there will actually be 15,000 cases by the end of the month, which was the projection. So that's something to hold on to. And meanwhile, I'm just so grateful to all the frontline staff in our health services dealing with this every day. Um, but we carry on. Um, just in case you don't know, the Irish Times is producing a daily Confronting Corona podcast, and it has updates on all the developments in this constantly changing situation. You can find it on irishtimes.com, and it really is worth listening to. So like I say, still here, still surviving, and make sure you send us in your thoughts uh, to the women's podcast at irishtimes.com or get in touch with us on Twitter or Facebook at IT Women's Podcast. We really want to hear from you and let us know your thoughts on subjects you'd like us to cover during this isolation period. Uh, we're planning a books podcast soon after a suggestion from one listener. So keep an ear out for that. Today on the podcast, we're going to be talking about educating your children at home during lockdown. And if you don't have any children at home, you might find it useful for any sisters or friends who do, or you might just find it a laugh because we have to laugh. <laughs> um, I hope there'll be a lot here to think about and to have fun with too. We're going to be talking to Irish Times columnist Jen Hogan, who has seven children. Yes, seven children from the ages of 18 down to Montessori age. So as you can imagine, that is a lot to manage in isolation. And I also managed to pin down my own two daughters, Joya and Priya, to explain how they're getting on being educated at home. I say being educated, but I'm just up here in my bedroom working away and hoping that they are doing some stuff. So they'll tell you all about that. And we're also going to be talking to a woman called Precious Matumba, who is living in direct provision in Mosny about how that community are coping at this very surreal time. So that's all later on. But first, we've been bringing you pandemic poetry from listeners. And this next one comes from Jamima. And she says, this is a poem about mental health and women's issues. I love your podcast. It always keeps me company. Well, thank you very much, Jamima. This is your poem. It's called COVID. Mandatory isolation has made me feel better. Finally, the world has joined me. Looking inward, 
I feel, maybe a little selfishly, that my mood has improved and I don't feel so alone. Mandatory isolation. People are calling to see if I am okay. Where were they before? The days are long. The nights are even longer when the night ghosts haunt every hour. There's no food in the cupboards. Was there ever any before? Cigarettes and coffee, the only vice to get you through. Without the dog, the only contact, you would have never seen the sun. Reread the books just to get it done. Mandatory isolation is all that there is. No one wants to be alone. Looking outward, I see that most of us, it just can't be. But what about the rest of us that live daily by the code of self-isolation? Every other day of the year, this is what we do. Oh, how they have forgotten the chosen few. And finally they realise nothing left. There never was anything else. This is how the rest of us live. Mandatory isolation, protecting ourselves, listening to the voices in our heads, never touched, spoken through the glass like animals in a zoo, our voices never heard, except with bruises that whimper and hide beneath our sleeves. The dust collects, we clean to pretend that everything is always okay, like the hairbrush that whisks away the cobwebs from the lonely forgotten eyes. Mandatory isolation. Nature has gone on without us, blooming for spring. Trapped here in our walls that we have all been building for years. Stacked with bricks made of tears, pain and sickness. Finally we realise that we are all the same, needing to break the barriers and stop the rain. Hiding, isolating, call it what you will. But finally they realise that it is terrible to be alone. Thank you very much for that, Jamima. Lots in there to think about. Now, there are over five and a half thousand people, including 1,739 children, living in 39 direct provision centres around the country. And as you can imagine, that presents different challenges around social distancing and all sorts of things. And there's also been a call for vulnerable asylum seekers to be moved out during this time. One of those centres is Mosney in County Meath, where around 700 people live in the direct provision system in what used to be a holiday camp. Um, last January, I was out with some friends for Nulug Naman and we got together with some women in direct provision and we all went out for dinner and we had a wonderful time and made some good friends. And one of the people that I met that night was a woman called Precious Matumba. So I was thinking about people in direct provision this week and I gave Precious a ring and just wanted to ask her about life during lockdown for her, for her two children and that community. Precious, I really was thinking recently about people in direct provision and I know Colm O'Gorman has been talking about especially the vulnerable asylum seekers there with what's going on at the moment. So could you tell us about your living situation there in Mosny and how everybody's getting on? Well, so far so good, I'd say. Um, I'd, in all honesty, I'd say the guys here, the management, I think they're trying their level best. Um, under these mad times, it's a crazy situation for everybody. But I think, honestly, they are trying. Um, 
social distancing is in place and they're sticking to it. Um, there's security uh, to like monitor it as well to see that people are sticking to it because, you know, sometimes people can just lax a bit. So in the food shop, in the food hall, in the laundry, everything, there's, uh, they're sticking to the two meters, um, two meters apart. So if you're queuing to get food, it's, it strictly has to be two meters apart from each other. If you're doing the laundry, the machines, it's two meters apart as well. Uh, the shop, it's okay so far, no shortages or anything. So there is food at the moment. Um, everyone is just afraid like everybody else in the world, in the country, as far as I'm concerned. They are some vulnerable groups that are here, but so far it doesn't seem like there's any infections around that have been recorded. You're living in a place um, that has like, I think around 700 people there. It's a, a sort of a gated community. Uh, I, I, it, so I suppose, is there a fear there that if, if, if infection did come, that it would spread so widely and you'd be at risk? Yeah, that is a real fear that is there. And um, that's just the biggest worry at the moment. But then because they, they've also limited these um, no visitors, like uh, they're trying to, they've said no visitors coming in. So that on its own is at least a bit of a consolation that, you know, being a gated community, if people try to limit their movements and stuff like that, but in the event that it did happen in here everyone is really afraid because you've got uh, people are trying to keep the kids inside but you know how it is with children it's an open space it's a gated community but it's an open space some people will let their kids go out at least for a bit of fresh air and the other kids might also want to come out so in the event that it happens then people are afraid that because with the large numbers that we have and uh, being a small place and it's that community inside here, it might potentially be quite disastrous, but mm. it's probably not as bad as uh, other places that I've uh, heard of, maybe. Tell me about your own situation, Precious, where you're from and how you're managing with the kids uh, <laughs> there, because I think we're all struggling to a degree. Oh, uh, yeah, we are. I mean, at this moment, I think I need to give all the teachers an award or something. Because <laughs> <laughs> homeschooling on its own is, oh my God, it's just something else. Um, considering as well that the network, I think network is not so good this side. I don't know if it's just our location, Mosni, or it's just generally network that's bad. I don't really know. We don't have access to Wi-Fi that much because if it's broadband, I don't think it even, the, the lines reach this place or anything. So it's relying on hotspotting um, with the phones and, you know, it's difficult enough um e-learning without laptops you know so it's it's just it's just crazy and our spaces are not as big we don't have a backyard where you can tell them to just go and blow some steam in the backyard and then come back into the house so 
we will try to keep them inside for their own good, for their safety. But, you know, kids will be kids, so we have to let them out. And the schools have been very helpful because they, they're constantly and regularly updating um, us online, like on their Facebook platforms and uh, on the school websites. They're putting out stuff that the kids can do. And uh, we've been lucky enough, we have um, services being run by the ISPCC here. So we have um, an integration officer who's called Emma. She's She's been really great. She's been giving us um, activities for everyone in Mosni. So it's, um, um, what do you call it? A community Navigator Service. So it's being run by the ISPCC. So she's uh, providing support for families inside Mosni. And so she's been posting and giving us activities that we can do with the kids. There's a, a short story writing competition that uh, was on that she sent us that the kids could participate in. I think you could win something like uh, 200 euros or something like that. I think that's John Boyne's competition. Precious, tell us about your own background and where you come from and about your kids as well. I'm from Zimbabwe originally. Um, I've been here since uh, 2018, August. I have two kids, uh, 10 and 8, second class and third class. Um, uh, I've been... Working as a, uh, I've been volunteering with the ISBCC and uh, with Youth Work Ireland. And um, after I got my uh, work permit, I started working as a carer. And then afterwards, um, I, I applied for college. So I got a place, uh, supposed to be starting uh, for my master's in social work in September. I don't know how that's going to go. I don't know if it will open, if it's, you know, how the situation is. Nothing is definite and certain at the moment. So that's a little bit about me. I've worked as a teacher before, but I cannot teach my own children because they just do my head in. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What if something happened and say you got the virus and you were not able to mind your children? What would happen to them? No, that's the thing. That's the real worry, you know. That's something that that stresses me more than actually more than anything else. Just thinking, okay, in the worst case scenario, if that then happens, what then happens to the children? I am lucky enough, I suppose. I have um, I have a sister in law who's here, but you know, it's just a bit of a consolation like that. But for everybody else, everyone else out there, I was talking to people, the other residents here, and uh, that's a real worry as well. There is a certain resident who was worried about that, who said, I wish I knew and uh, I had a plan about what would happen to my child. Uh, You know, when you have an adult child who uh, is vulnerable and... um, has special needs, something like that. What then happens after them? Uh, what happens to them in the worst case scenario that you get the virus and something, God forbid, happens to you? 
So you see, these are all things that worry everybody. But as for me, I, I don't even know. I, you know, it just, your mind freezes. It goes blank in that moment. You don't even know. And then the fear kicks in. You are now more afraid for the kids because you don't know what's going to happen to them. So it's it's hard enough, you know, being in a place where there's no family and everything and all you want is just the best for, for your children. And everybody would like to know that in the event that anything happens to me, I have this set up and this in place for them that, you know, they can still live comfortably and still have a normal life, you know. But in this case, being here, being in direct provision, uh, you're not, your life is not even that stable, you know, because you're not in a stable place. You're not in a place you call your own and stuff like that. So it's it's more worrying when it's like that because you don't even know what what lies ahead of you. Yeah. Well, listen, we wish you all the best here. And I'm glad to hear that the management are making sure that things can be as safe as possible. But it is really difficult. And I think we're all comparing our situations to other people's and realising that in lots of ways we're very lucky. So we're thinking about you and all your um, community there as well. Um, is there anything that people can send to Mosni or that, that you need that, that would help at this time? Um, well, you see, even this whole thing about uh, sanitizers and stuff, we don't have that, you know, in in abundance, I suppose. But I, I, I suppose in the current situation, we're not very sure about how it is on the outside. We only know what goes on within this place, you see. So we don't know if there is sanitizer, the hand sanitizers out there. We don't have masks. We don't have gloves, you know. So we, we're we just going about life normally, like how we were doing it before. The only difference is we are just doing the social distancing and that, you know, isolation of trying to stay indoors all the time. But... Um, we would, people would really appreciate if we, if there was any way we could also get gloves and masks and that sanitizer as well. It is there in the public places like uh, the laundry and stuff, but it's not always there, you see, because there's a lot of people coming in. I don't know if it's because they're not refilling the, the, the thing is, uh, but you know, it would just go a long way in, you know, calming down people when you know you have something that's there that you're trying to prevent the virus from coming to you. Yeah, it's it's psychological, a lot of it, isn't it? Well, I hope you do get those things and maybe we can say to listeners, if there's anybody who has any extra stuff like that, they can send up to Mosny um, where you really, really do need it. Precious, thank you so much for talking to me. Good luck with the homeschooling. We're, we're going to be talking about that on the podcast today. <laughs> and like I say, we're all struggling with that. So we're all in the same boat in that regard anyway. No, thank you so much. Thanks a million. And we pray this this passes by soon. Yes, that this will pass soon. And thank you so much, Precious. All the best to you. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Okay, bye.
Thanks very much to Precious Matumba there. Now, we felt with so many of us struggling to keep our children's head in the school books while we tried to work from home or just to manage this new life in isolation, it would be good to devote an episode to homeschooling. And because I'm stuck in the house, I thought it was a good idea to check in with my own daughters about how they are finding it. So here they are, Joya and Priya Hobson, who will be 11 in April. Joya, can I come to you first? What has been your experience of being at school at home in the kitchen? Well, it's been very different because at school the teachers can never put me and Priya beside each other because they can never tell us apart. But I'm actually able to just sit beside her and say, Priya, what's the answer this, to this question? And then she'll say, Joya. And I'm like, please. And she's like, okay. So, and it's really interesting because we're on FaceTime to my friend Ruby, first with submarines. We're doing a submarine project and a PowerPoint. So we're all talking about it. And next is maths with my other friend, Jojo. And Ruby is an absolute amazing teacher. She's been teaching us so much, sixth class maths. And I feel like I'm getting really good at my schoolwork. So, Well, that's a really positive experience. Priya, what can you add in terms of how you found this whole school at home thing? Well, like Joya said, it's been probably the most different thing that's ever happened to me in my life. 2020 will go down in literal history because of this corona lark. And it's been really cool to just see how quickly time flies, as well as when you're in school. When you're just sitting down on the desk, fiddling with your pencils, grabbing snacks and all that jazz. So it's been really interesting, but I'd give it a thumbs up from me. Okay, Joya, can you sort of take me through the day? Because I'm very busy up in my bedroom, whether I'm making podcasts or writing columns or researching features. And your dad is also in another room doing his work. So we can't really be sitting there monitoring you. So how does your day actually go from when you get up in the morning? Okay, so in the morning at about eight o'clock, I hear, wake up, Joya, from Priya. And I'm like, Mm. but I get up eventually and then we get some breakfast sometimes fruit or sometimes like yogurt and honey or something and then we wait until 9:15, which is when we start our submarine talk until 10 past 10 I know very specific and then we go on mats with our friend Jojo on whatsapp and we just do a bunch of mats until about 11:10. then we start working on a project you may be thinking what project well my parents set me and Priya a project and a word to do every single day so we work on that for a long time then we have a break then we normally go on a walk and I'll let Priya now, but let Priya do the next bit. Well, usually mum and dad beg us to go on a walk and they get a bit shouty, but it's okay because they're only doing it for the best, to get fresh air. I told them that we should be self-isolating, but their version of it is social distancing. Social distancing our fingers, ah, which is a song you can check out on Twitter. And um, check it out, <laughs> check it out, sponsored. And so in the middle, we also text our friend Amalia about life and stuff like that. We have open chats with Amalia and Jojo and all of their families on Fridays. We challenge the parents to do some really daring stuff. And it's great crack, spelt with the C or A C K. 
You mentioned a project and a word there. So tell us a bit more about that. What words and what um, people have you been researching last week, for example? Um, so we have been doing subjective and we have been doing extravagant and we've been doing Gaia. The people we've been doing are Gaia, Margaret Thatcher and... Um, Mary Robinson. And out of them, my favourite one was probably Gaia because it was really interesting to talk about a Greek goddess. And they have this problematic parents, WhatsApp, and they each take turns of picking the person and the word. I have to come in here because it's not a problematic parents WhatsApp that I have with my friends. It's called pandemic parents. So all the parents of all the people that Joy and Priya have been describing there, we have a WhatsApp group and we decided that we would pick a word every day and a person every day for the children to research. And at the end of the day, the children present and tell us all about it. Um, Priya, you wanted to get in there. Well, my favourite one was probably Margaret Thatcher, also known as Milk Snatcher or Maggie. My favourite was her because I love the way that her favourite colour is turquoise and her favourite dinner is lamb chops. Such a simple dish but very effective and a glass of whiskey. It says specifically on Wikipedia that whiskey was her go-to mood. Okay, so... You've been getting a lot of support from people that were in your class when you went to school. What would you like to say to them? Um, We'd just like to say thank you so much, like Ruby for helping us do our maths and Jojo and Emily for always just making us laugh. And I feel like we're all such a good friend group. And I would like to say thank you to them too because they've helped us so much because at the start me and Joya were really, really upset because lots of the stuff we were doing was postponed so we were really sad but they were all really supportive and they really helped us with everything so we just like to say thank Thank you. you. I'm going to um, ask you a question now about if some parents listening are struggling with this thing of having their kids at home and also working what advice would you give them what do you think that Johnny and I have done well and what do you think we've done badly? Well I'm just going to give like some advice that They should just have a lot of trust in their kids and they should just feel good about the day and just keep positive and know that this time is very hard but we will get through it and after this there'll be so many parties and so many sleepovers and and playdates and so just know in your head that it'll all be over soon and everybody's going to be all right. And Priya, what advice would you give other parents and what do you think we've done well and what do you think we haven't done so well? And be honest. Well, I'm going to be completely honest, like my mother said. I feel like they've done a really good job making us be more more independent, like when they sent us to the butchers to get 800 grams of chicken thighs. Random, I know, right? But still, I would give advice to some, I would give advice to some parents to just trust their kids because they are capable of much more than you think. That's a lesson that mum that mum's learned as well. And get them involved with lots of things because they can understand. Well, I assume that they'll understand and we've had such a great time already and they should like embrace that because this is never going to happen again. We're never going to be together for like maybe maybe the whole year, every single day going out on walks and having the crack, well, C or A, I C whatever they want to call it. 
and it's just so great and we should all be grateful for this time because COVID-19 is trying to make us sad but we just turn it around and say well we get to spend time as a family so it doesn't really matter anymore <laughs> okay well I want to say thank you very much because that, I think that'd be really helpful and uh, maybe we'll check back in with you in a few months and see if you're still as happy with the situation <laughs> and if we're not all killing each other uh, Joya and Priya Hobson thank you very much Thank you. Hope you have a good COVID-19 break. It might be long, might be short, but bye. Thank you very much, Joya and Priya. Now back downstairs with you. I'm cracking the whip here. The Irish Times Women's Podcast is brought to you by Green and Black's Velvet Edition. Sumptuously smooth, dark chocolate. Jen Hogan is an Irish Times columnist. And a while back, she came on the podcast to talk about raising teenagers. She's got seven children. Seven. So I thought, who better to ask for some tips about schooling kids at home than Jen? We did this call on video via Skype, and I was actually amazed to see that she still has most of her hair left and she hasn't torn it all out. Well, not yet anyway. Here she is, Jen Hogan. Jen, I think I have it bad here trying to do my job with my two little angels, 10 year olds down in the kitchen, researching Michael Collins and whatever else they're doing. Um, I don't know what they're doing because they're downstairs. But um, you tell me about your situation. Yes. Yeah, so I have seven children, obviously, and six of them are, well, one of them's an adult child at this stage. The other six are at various stages of, um, of the education system. My eldest is doing his junior cert. The next one is in first year. Then I have one in fifth class, one in third class, one in senior infants, and one who hasn't started school yet. Is it? Oh my God. I'm sorry for laughing, Jen, but honestly. Oh, that's okay. Looking, I'm laughing. I, I have to tell everyone, I'm actually looking at Jen on Skype and she looks so serene, so beautiful. Like she's got makeup on, her hair looks straightened. I don't know how the hell you aren't completely frazzled. Only because I knew I was going on Skype and I had to leave the house. That's the only reason. Up to 10 minutes ago, I was in my PJs. I, I ran out and I thought the neighbours will think I'm crazy. My office is now my car. That's where I work. <laughs> Abandon the children and I run to the car just so that I can talk in peace. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's quite the challenge because obviously I'm still working from home as well. The children have all, they're at all different stages of the curriculum. My husband is not working from home. And that means everything is falling on me. Absolutely everything. And there's so many balls to be juggled and I'm dropping them everywhere. I'm doing my best, but I'm dropping them everywhere. And I'm kind of having to come to terms with that and make my peace with it. Well, yeah, because we'll talk about that later. There was a very useful um, email that went around from a teacher sort of trying to take the pressure off parents because we definitely can't do it. And there's no point pretending we can. All we can do is to kind of manage it somehow and do our best, like you say. But I think you still, even though you're in a bit of a walking nightmare, I still think you have some useful things to tell listeners who are in uh, situations that hopefully aren't seven children, but like two or three or four or five different ages and different stages. So let's start with the smallest. In a way, I think it's probably maybe the hardest or not. What do you think? But you know, it, it's hard. I mean, the, the smallest children won't work without kind of supervision. I mean, I've accepted that at this stage. If I'm not working beside them or I'm not sitting there standing over them, they have lost interest, lost concentration and have gone away to play with their superheroes or trampolines or, or kill each other, whatever, whatever that particular day holds. And my youngest is in Montessori and it's really hard for him, I suppose, because he doesn't have the set schoolwork. He's used to going to Montessori all the time. He's as Even though he has lots of brothers and lots of company, he is asking every day, 
am I going back to school now today? He really has no understanding of what's going on. So there's that balance of trying to give him his own little work. I'm setting him at the table beside um, his older siblings who are in primary school that, that are doing their work. And I've kind of given him some pictures and things to colour so that he feels involved, that he doesn't feel left out. That's that's working okay-ish. The, the primary school kids, I think, are probably the biggest challenge for me because they're not really capable of working independently, especially my younger primary school children. So there is that case of needing to oversee what's going on, needing to um, help them along. You know, the, the senior infant, he's learning to read. So even some of the instructions, he needs help with, with going through the instructions and reading those. Um, and he needs kind of constant reminders to sit down and do his best and, and try to get through it. Um, it is, again, because there are so many children in my house is just an ordinary sized house. There are limited places that they can work and that I can work. Um, and we haven't to work around that as best we can, maybe taking tur- turns. The older children sit down to do their work later in the day. Um, we're take, we, we set a routine and that has helped. As in, I've gone back to some of the things that we used to do when they were in school, um, which was I leave out the uniforms the night before. And it's obviously it's everyday clothes now. It sounds maybe a bit a little bit crazy, but it, it's helping them maybe get that whole mindset that we're going to do our work now. And I'm still I'll call them to go at the back and say, right, it's little break time. Things like that. Just familiar terms that they're hearing. And and that kind of is, is setting them up. Now, we still have that. Well, I'm sure it's time for our, our little break food time. I'm sure it's time for lunchtime and there's constant interruptions there, but it is helping that they are getting a little bit of structure on their day. I'm being flexible too. I'm accepting that there are times when work comes in or something happens that means I can't I can't be Moonshore Mammy as well as as well as writer Jen, that I have to do, I have to kind of see to things on a different level of priority. But it is, it is helpful to have that routine and have that structure and also to be realistic. That that's been the big thing for me. That's been the learning curve, even over just a week and a bit to be realistic about what we can achieve in a day and that um there are there are there are limitations and form and everything and the fact that I'm trying to mind their mental health as well a little bit because as we go up the ages and stages there is a better understanding which is great in one regard but in other regards I've got there's lots of worries coming on board as well too and a lot of concerns about um about what the future holds, when they're going back, when they'll see their friends, how dangerous is COVID-19, um, what about their grannies? There, there's lots of questions come up and so there's a constant reassuring going on along with trying to maintain this kind of new sense of normality. Yeah, because I'm talking to some people and like it, it's amazing the different approaches because I, I know some people who are saying, look, I'm going to do an hour a day with them yeah. of some kind of schoolwork and the rest I'm not worrying about. And I think that's a really healthy um, sort of thing. But then there's also this competitive parenting. Have you noticed that sticking in? Oh, Where, like, absolutely. <laughs> and I have to say, I can see that I have little tendencies like that myself. I have to watch myself when they've done something, you know, that I think is particularly cool. You know, oh, look, look at what, what they did, you know. <laughs> Um, what are you seeing in your in your groups? Definitely seeing that. And, and actually, it was one of the biggest stresses for me. Competitive parenting will always find a way and it's found a new platform. And WhatsApp is that platform at the moment. And it is, <laughs> it is probably the source of the biggest stress at the moment because we are going day by day. And sometimes it is just an hour's work, but we'll maybe do a bit of reading later in the day. But the WhatsApp groups, the constant pinging, the constant, oh, Seamus is running along and he's flying through the curriculum. And now we're wondering, can we, is there more work? Can we have some more work? Why are the teachers not sending more work? And I'm losing my mind. What's left of it? I'm listening to this and going, please stop. So what I have done is I've muted some of the WhatsApp groups. Some of them are wonderful. Now, I have to be I have to be fair. There are some of them that are kind of ging other parents along and hugely supportive. But the ones that I found were adding to my stress 
they're now muted <laughs> and it's helping okay. a lot it, it is really hard to listen to other parents who are managing maybe maybe managing better than I feel I'm managing because they have whatever routine going or maybe much more cooperative children than uh, I have. Uh, again, much fewer children, I think, would be the key. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm starting to think the trolls may be right. I have an excessive amount of children. <laughs> I did say that to you when you were on the podcast before. You had millions of children, too many children. I'm only joking, Jen. Uh, but it is, you are actually at the very, very trying time at the moment. This is something I really want to talk to you about because do you find in your groups, right, that despite the fact that a lot of women are now working from home, they are the ones who are still getting the bulk of this other work that has been loaded onto people by coronavirus. It doesn't seem to have shifted, even where there are, I know your partner isn't at home, so he can't really do anything from wherever he is. Um, But there are this working from home dynamic, but the women still seem to be loaded with the bulk of this work. Have you noticed that and what do you think people can do about that? I think that's absolutely the case. And you're right, my my partner isn't at home. However, he's not worrying about this either. And that's and he is a fantastic hands-on dad. And I know lots of stay-at-home dads who are taking the bulk of this on, so I have to give them their due to. Yeah. My own experience, he's not worrying about this. This is when we were watching the news um the other day and they were speaking about parents becoming very anxious about this and very worried about having to try to cover school curriculum and manage to work from home and he said he kind of laughed and said oh sure not all parents are doing it presuming it wasn't happening in our house now it, there was picture and no sound for a while I could tell you because I just couldn't believe that he hadn't realized how much work I was doing trying to keep things ticking over trying to keep our children educated our being the operative word here but it was very much my responsibility and it is the whole thing that he's continuing to go to work and um, do what he does and work he comes home he's great in every other respect but this isn't a worry for him this is this has become my worry and I think really I'm going to I am starting to push back a little bit and go well hang on a second there's nothing to stop you doing some of this work when you come in from your work and we need to share the load more because I am also trying to keep things ticking over I am also mm-hmm. trying to mind our children and their mental health and all the respond all the other responsibilities that go hand in hand with parenthood I'm trying to get them out for their little bit of social distancing um a, a, social distancing um, exercise, you know, maintaining that, that two meter distance, of course, but trying to do those, those things that I have that's expected of me along with everything else. So that's, I think, one of the things that us as mothers are going to have to do, because it is, I do believe, again, from speaking to other parents in the groups and on social media, it is mothers who are largely taking on this responsibility. Uh, I came up with a little solution to that, and it's actually working very well for me. And I don't know what you'll think about this, but I set up a WhatsApp group among my kids' friends' parents, and they're also friends of mine. So they're close friends of mine, and they have children around the same age, okay? And I added the mums and the dads into this. So it's called Pandemic Parents. And I found by that way, we're now talking um, amongst each other about the different things that we're doing. And because the dads are in the group, they're Mm. in there talking about it. And for me, it's a very um, positive and not kind of narky way of involving dads. Because do you not agree that sometimes women assume that this stuff is all there at work? They think, oh, this is what I have to do. This is the way it is. Instead of challenging a little bit and saying, why am I including 
the the parents, the men as well. So that's what I'm finding. What do you think about that idea? Absolutely. I think I think that's a great idea. And I think language is even really important. You're talking about women assuming this. How often do we hear about working mums? It's never working parents. It's working mums. It's we don't talk about working fathers. My husband won't be described as a working father. He's just a father. Uh, you know, whereas I'm a working what, what, mom. What do you mean he won't be described? Like people won't. You should describe no, him as but- that. I, sh- I should do really kind of yeah. to get that message home that he still has the same responsibilities now as I said he is brilliant and he is a very hand he has no choice yeah. there are that many of them he has no choice but to be a hands-on dad but I have actually done something along the lines of what you've done where I can't the class um whatsapp groups I've added where there's permission kind of admin permission given to everybody I've added him to the group so even he gets some insights into the sort of responsibility and overwhelming number of messages that can come in yeah. from all the different groups all the different activities and just get a, a kind of a taste of what's expected what's involved and the and the emotional load and the that women take on that we are all yeah. taking on that mothers are taking on at this time but I also think we're a little bit guilty of ourselves when we set up these groups just only adding mothers and just only exactly. adding women so we have to help yeah. ourselves a little bit here too I that, think we totally do and the other thing is if you think about it at the end of the day you're at home you're going to be kind of guiding towards stuff that you feel comfortable teaching mm. your interests your passions so you want the fathers as well to be showing to be guiding them towards things that they perhaps have an interest in so it makes for a much richer educational Absolutely. experience if it's not just yeah. left to the mothers so there's no reason why people should just think this is women's work. But no, it's, it's really enough. interesting how that seems to be dividing down those lines. And mm. I'm really pushing back against it because yeah. I just can't bear that kind of uh, sexist approach to the nurturing, caring side of parenting. Absolutely. It shouldn't just be women, you know. And I think irrespective of whether you have girls or boys, it's really important that we teach both of them that this is a responsibility for both parents. So it's actually a really important example to set as well. So Absolutely in favour of that, definitely. But let's talk finally as well about the fact that people really shouldn't put themselves under too much pressure. I mean, this is a really unusual time. This is like a worldwide situation. Um, you know, nothing terrible is going to happen if you don't actually manage to get them through all the work that seems to be being set for them. If they just read books, if they just you know, go by go by what they're interested in, if they learn about stuff because they're interested in it, there's something very good about that too that kind of learning where it's self-motivated and it's because people are interested and we shouldn't just get too stressed about it no I agree with you totally there I mean I've got an awful lot of messages since I had a little rant on social media from teachers and parents who are all saying the same thing that this is a really this is this is not homeschooling this is a little bit of distance learning and that perfect opportunity to learn some life skills which a lot of our children were often complaining about that they don't, we haven't equipped them for adulthood. You know, we go through life with a total focus on academia and no focus on life skills. So that now is the opportunity and the time to do that. We need to be realistic. We need to be realistic about what we can achieve and what we can do. There are, if if it was possible to homeschool our children completely, there would be no need for teachers. I think we need to remember that part too. You know, we're doing a little bit. The little bit that we can do is enough because we're also trying to keep them well, keep ourselves well, keep a functioning society going too. And just, I suppose, taking each day as it comes and I suppose rising to the challenge of the day and managing what you can within that day so I know for for example so today some of the things that we'll do is we'll do some reading they've done a page or two of their books we might we might even make lunch together now afterwards we will do we'll do different things we'll get out for a walk they'll have some exercise we'll I'm even bringing some of my older children in to help my younger children too so reading stories to them helping them with different jigsaws and puzzles there are different things we can do that we would just do to occupy the day 
But I think it's all about what you can manage in the day, depending on the other demands that are on you that day and, and the form as well, because you have to read day by day. As this, as this goes on, the children are becoming, well, I'm fine and my children are becoming a little bit more anxious and a little bit more unsettled because there isn't that clear idea of when things are going to end. So you've got to deal with that too. So it's just a case of, of being realistic, I reckon. And I'm just thinking of your, I think it's your son who's doing the junior search, is that right? Yeah. And so they don't know if the exams are going to be cancelled and what's going to happen. So it's very hard for them. It's very hard for them. It's hard to keep them motivated when everything is so unsure. It's hard without the guidance of, of the teachers. And I suppose that's another thing that we do have to bear in mind, actually. And from speaking to parents and other saying not every parent is equipped to support their children properly. You know, there's a lot of us finding even in in primary school, the new way that they teach students is very different to the way we learned things. And we're adding complete confusion. Like if anyone's doing long division now at the moment, we're talking about Enzo eating strawberries or something, some anagram that they have. It's a completely, completely bewildering. And, and that's the same as it goes further up the line, you know, and into secondary school. And you're going further up the, the, the education system into different subjects. And some parents can feel really overwhelmed because they can't support their children adequately. So I suppose I know he's there. He's doing the bits that his teachers have sent him. He's trying to do what he can. And we'll just have to see what happens, whether the exams go ahead. I suppose the junior search is the one that we're all wondering, will it actually go ahead in the end? But for now, we can just deal with what we can deal with. I think that's that's the, all we can do. Well, Jen, my thoughts and prayers, and I'm sure the thoughts <laughs> and prayers them. of all our listeners are with you, <laughs> with your seven children aged 18 all the way down. Um, you're making us all feel like things can't be that bad. We don't have to deal with that. I think that's, that's <laughs> the least thing you've done. But also lots of very good tips there for how we manage it. But also I think the main message is just to take the pressure off ourselves. Yeah. It's already hard and the kids are already worried about this thing. So let's try and create some kind of family atmosphere that's that's got not got tension in it and that lets people relax and, and enjoy themselves as much as they can as well. We've never had this much time together as a family before. And that's the part I think it, it that's unusual. Now, we don't necessarily have the same tools available to us that we normally would over the summer holidays. You know, we don't have that freedom. So that is a, a challenge in itself. But we have time to actually be together as well. And that's you know, there's there's an opportunity to make memories. Actually, if we're going to turn it into a positive, there's an opportunity to make memories here that we'll have forever. We're never going to forget this time, but maybe we can have some positive memories from it too. Exactly. Well, thank you very much, Jen Hogan. I really appreciate My pleasure. you talking to us. And good luck. Thank you. I need it. <laughs> and that's it for today. Thanks very much to our guests, Precious Matumba, Joya, and Priya Hobson, and Jen Hogan. Remember, you can subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. We're on Spotify, Acast, and all good podcast apps. If you want to get in touch, we're on Twitter and Facebook at IT Women's Podcast or email us on the Women's Podcast at irishtimes.com. The podcast is produced by me, Roisin Ingle, and by Suzanne Brennan with JJ Fernan on sound. Until next time, thanks for listening. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.